I noticed my vitamin D. I'm like, man, it's it's low. It was like 17, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. I, I call the doctor and I'm like, doc, I'm like, geez, what about this vitamin D? As you know, I, I read on the, I looked up research that mixed with like calcium, magnesium can cause these yeah. palpitations. Well, we don't want you to go on no vitamin D says because I don't, you know, it could affect other transplant things and stuff. So went another couple of weeks, same thing. Finally, I I'll call my nutritionist again. I called her and I was like, geez, I says, um, Danielle, is there anything we can do to eat? Can I to take in more D? She goes, well, let me look at your level. She pulled my blood work up and, oh my God, Jim, she says, you were dangerously low. And she goes, this yeah. could absolutely cause a palpitation. Hey there, my friends, it's Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another amazing episode here on the Fit Father Project podcast. And this episode is special, and it's it's near and dear to my heart because we have one of our very own Fit Father brothers on here right now as I'm doing this introduction. His name is Jim Ertle, and he's on here for a couple specific reasons. One is, of course, to share his journey with the Fit Father Project and the health gains and, and the changes and improvements he's made. But there's a deeper story here that Jim's going to share. I mean, he is in the process of kidney disease and going through kidney transplants. And we're trying to look for a kidney for Jim and to do everything we can in our community to help him out with this and also to just raise awareness for kidney disease and the whole process. So Jim is going to be here and share his life story and his journey, which is still unfolding in a big way. And one of my favorite parts about this podcast is that we get to genuinely connect and hear stories of other amazing people. And it's oftentimes the challenges in our lives that give us the most treasure and richness. And we can see and feel other people going through those challenges, coming through with strong mindset. We can draw inspiration. And of course, from this episode, a lot of education. So Jim, thanks for being here. Sure, Doc. Thank you. Well, you reached out to me because you know we got to share this story and, and I, you got to take us back to why, how do you, where are you at right now? Like you have kidney disease, explain what that means and then take us back to how that started and give us some context about this pretty significant experience in your life. Well, it went back to um, 2012. I raced horses my whole life and I was going to be starting a new job. And for about a week prior to that, I was having trouble when I lay down breathing, like I'd get shorter breath and uh, I always had a cough feeling like, but nothing would come up. So the day before I was going to start a new job, I told my wife, I said, we better go to the hospital. And I'm not really a hospital guy, but I said, you know, just make sure it's not pneumonia or something, which is what I really thought. And uh, we went in the emergency room that night and they did a bunch of tests. Come back about an hour after blood work. Look, we don't know how to tell you this. I live in a town called Batavia and it's in the middle of the two big cities, Rochester and Buffalo. She says, you're going to have to transfer to one of them. We can't even treat you. Your kidneys are in total failure. And your blood pressure is like through the ceiling. So basically mm-hmm. what had happened, I had had sleep apnea, which I didn't know. Like a lot of times girls should shake me, hey, wake up, you know, you're not breathing. And um, it went on and on. And that's what basically in the end they thought caused the shutdown was the sleep apnea. I had high blood pressure untreated and uh, racing horses is always an excuse that you know, I race with a thousand pound animal, young and dumb, nothing going to bother me. But as I go back now, the symptoms of the blood pressure, uh, you know, you'd get like red in the face and different yeah. things. Like I at Winburg, like it'd be 10 degrees out. I'm jacking 10 horses, you know, out in the cold. I always had an mm-hmm. excuse, you know. So um, basically, she says, you got to ship off to them, which I did when I got to the other hospital. They came 
they did a bunch of tests and I was in there about 11 days and uh, lots of things happened then too. Like I had an episode of spike of blood pressure, retinopathy happened and been through a lot. But eventually, they, the final thing was dialysis. Straight from I thought I had pneumonia, it was kidney failure and uh, dialysis. I did eight years waiting on the list. It was supposed to be four or five, but uh, unfortunately, it went a long time. And um, now I'm, I had the transplant back in 2020, and it never really went completely smoothly. Uh, my numbers never were great, but, you know, I was doing better. I wasn't on dialysis at least, but uh, getting along. And uh, finally, a few months back, the couple of the numbers spike creatinine is what they go by on the readings of the kidneys. And I went to the doctor and they did some extra testing and they call it a terror test to check for if your body's rejecting the kidney, which mine wasn't. I have like a 0.08% of that. So that was good. So I'm figuring everything was good. But when the doctor called, he says, yeah, listen, he says, you qualify to get back on the transplant list. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to hear that. And um, basically my numbers had dropped enough to do that and that's where I'm at, kind of getting back on the list now. But after doing eight years of dialysis, I'm kind of kind of in a bad spot where you're going to need a live donor this time because if you go back, dialysis is not good to go back to dialysis after a transplant because of the mm. anti-rejection drugs or not. Yeah. Having eight years of dialysis under my belt already, it's kind of tough. And the average life on dialysis is seven years. So I beat a lot of odds, you know, and uh, actually, like, I did a DEXA scan. They says, I don't show no nothing on that that would show di usually a dialysis person, calcium and stuff being bad all through that. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, knock on wood, I, you know, I don't whatever say anything like that too much. But, uh, you know, I'm doing as good as I can do. And uh, hopefully I'm going to get to that next transplant. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so, too. And I think just from what you shared, I want to take a moment to unpack some of this stuff to help people like understand some of the foundational body systems and physiology so people can really connect and understand your story. You know, we, we hear about kidneys, but I don't think many people like know exactly what they do. You know, you maybe hear like people talk about getting punched in the kidneys or stuff like this, but these two like, I don't know, like organ, organ shaped things in your low back that basically filter your blood and make sure that they remove things and get it into the urinary secretion. And obviously when your blood pressure is very high, that can damage that kidneys filtration. And that's also a reason why diabetes, I didn't know, do you have high blood sugars no, at all? I, luckily, I didn't have diabetes at all. And like with my eyes, well, that's the first thing they'll say at the eye doctor, gee, how long have you been diabetic? Because the retinopathy, mm -hmm. it's the same kind of thing. I didn't have that, you know? So uh, that's a lucky thing because most of the dialysis patients, yeah, that's, that's number one. Diabetes causes that. And um, yeah. number two is blood pressure. Exactly. And those two things are completely tied to lifestyle, right? I mean, high blood pressure and, and that and the sleep apnea too. I mean, good that you're bringing awareness to that. I mean, there's so many people who are not sleeping well and don't even realize it. Yeah. So that was the thing with, uh, with our work. It's like people thought, oh, you race horses, man, that's great. You only got to go race them once a week. It's quick, but nah, it's, it's seven days a week. Basically, 16-hour days usually. If you had to race that night, you come home, you get up in the morning, you're there at 6 work out, all the horses do it. And then you go home for a little break, come back at night and race. You're there till midnight, you know? A lot of times you get out, what's open? Fast food, you know? For sure. And then you're up again. You don't sleep good. You know, when you're young, you don't think about it. But boy, when I look back on that lifestyle, I mean, it really is, it's, it's tough, you know? 
And when you got on the, the list for a kidney transplant, did you get one kidney or both kidneys replaced the first time? No, you only get one. And they leave mm-hmm. your they leave your old kidneys in. Right now I have three in me. Uh, wow. Yeah, the initial two, they're still there. Like the only time they'll take them out is if they start to get like where they'll start to rot or they'll, they'll yeah, necrotic, wither way yeah. down. Yeah, mm-hmm. mine never did that either. You know, like I've been lucky. I mean... <laughs> Lucky in a lot of ways for where, for what I've been through and where I have. I mean, I'm really, I've come through quite good, you know. And maybe as a wake up call for guys who are listening to this, who aren't exactly on the healthiest routine and regimen quite yet, but exactly. are listening to this for inspiration. Like, tell us about like the pain in the ass that dialysis is and what that's like. So if you don't take care of your blood pressure and you don't let your diabetes and your blood sugars run and your kidneys get damaged, like what do you have to do to survive when your kidneys aren't working? Well, I mean, your diet, basically my water intake, like now when you're on dialysis, you can't hardly drink any fluids. Stay away from salt because it'll keep the fluid on you. And uh, I mean, basically I was out like I had like two bottles a day I could get through. Luckily, I still urinated where a lot Mm -hmm. of them after maybe a year or so, they stop. Now, every bit of fluid you take on you, it's on you until the next machine visit, you know. So it's it's three days a week, but the weekends you get that extra day, and that would be the tough one. So when I'd go on Monday from a Friday, I watched pretty much how I did. Like, I was careful, and they would take basically, dialysis takes the fluid out of your bloodstream directly through the needles. Mm-hmm. So... On Monday morning, usually my average was nine pounds of fluid I would take off in that treatment in three and a half hours through the bloodstream. I mean, sometimes you, like in the beginning, they don't know your dry weights, what they call it. That's what they take you Mm -hmm. down to. So until they get you to that, like when you get that, you pass out or you'll get the most severe cramps you've ever had in your life. Mm -hmm. Like it's like a Charlie horse in your back, your leg. Like if you'd wake up in the night, only you might get them in your stomach anywhere. I mean, it's just like a spear going through. It's unbelievable. But that's how they got to find out to get you to your dry weight to know how much to take off you. So they weigh us when we come in. It's all by weight now. They told me like 20 years ago, it was way more brutal than that. Like they didn't know how to do that. They couldn't do it by the weight. So they basically, a lot of them, they went to you got sick or, you know, you tell them, I'm, you know, maybe pass out, whatnot. That's how they used to do it. So I mean, it's come a long ways, but it's it's not. I, I like to just try to throw. I did eight years. I just kind of try to block that out. You know, I mean, I made it through mm-hmm. and, and that's that. But it's a tough thing. Nobody wants to go there, man. And now with the um, the medications that are immunosuppressive for you to make sure you don't reject the kidney, is the, is the, is the risk of dialysis like a fa- infection from all the needles and all that stuff going on? Is that why it's not recommended after the fact? Well, it's just, I mean, it does play a lot. Of, it's tough on your system, like... Mm-hmm. Very hard on your heart, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I was there eight years. I can't count how many of them are with us now, you know. I mean, yeah. I would be talking to a buddy on Friday. Yeah, I'm going to go fishing, come in Monday, and they tell you, hey, Willie died over the week, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it's terrible. I mean, I'll tell you what, Doc, it, it really makes your life, changes your thought on things. You know, the little things, they don't matter no more. Things that would irk you or something, man, you, you know, like, I've seen so many, so many stories like older people where the family would come in and visit them and they'd be fighting over who's going to get what when they're gone. And they leave, they look at me. I remember the one woman, she'd be like, I just want them to unhook the machine. I'm done. You know, she's, I'm a burden. It's tough. Oh, I actually, before we get into your fit father journey and how that program's helped your health and concurrent with this and also how you modified it to fit your specific needs, can you share? 
so a little more into this, these these different philosophies and life things that you've realized, whether they're like deep truths that you might even consider spiritual or very true or different perspectives that have shifted because you've gone through something tremendous that's, you know, in deep, far deeper levels than just physically. So, I mean, I'd love to, to love to hear some of more mental, emotional, and even spiritual shifts you've made through this process. I'll tell you that the biggest thing that happened when I was in the hospital after transplant, when I got to transplant, it, the kidney didn't kick in right away. It actually took seven days before it, it started functioning. Wow. So I was laying there and day by day, I'm thinking, man, you know, I went eight years and it ain't going to work. You know, I mean, that's basically where you started feeling. And they'd come in every morning. There was like seven different teams of doctors. First ones were interns, more or less. And they'd give you like the happy, oh, we're going to get, you know what I mean? By the end, you got your real doctor. And it was reality, you know. And they were always still positive because I was making your like a racehorse going. Just wasn't filtering nothing. So it got to be a Friday. And uh, my doctor told me, the main man, he said, look, I'm going to be gone for the weekend. I'm off. He goes, but I'm telling you, it's going to kick on. I, I can feel it. And so I went there that day. The nurses come in. They're like, Jim, how do you feel about going into a private room? I'm like, geez, that's, that's great. You know, no problem here. I'm not going to be upset. So, but I remember when I went into the new room, I just kind of got a different feeling. I, it, was, it was weird, hard to explain, but I was like, man, you know, it, maybe it's going to kick on. Like it was just a weird. So that night, I went to sleep. I was laying there and uh, felt like a nudge on my shoulder or something, you know, and I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and uh, a couple of minutes went by, and it was, again, it was more like a push, you know, and I mean, I never was big time spiritual guy a lot, but, you know, I mean, and uh, I just rolled over, looked, and there was, there was like a, uh, there was some kind of a being there, you know, and uh Tired to explain, couldn't make out the face, but it kind of just slowly faded back into the wall type of thing. And uh, I remember feeling like a feeling of, oh my God, like it's going to be all right. Like, I, you know, I, I not, don't really never told a lot of people about that, but uh, sure enough, the next morning the nurses come in, they're like, look at your numbers have turned around. They, they're shooting up. And I mean, from that day, within two days, Sunday, I, I was out of there the doctor i didn't get to see him again but that there just there was something i mean well whatever was in that room <laughs> you know what i mean it was definitely something like my buddy terry he's a member here you did a podcast with him terry Van yeah. Epps, and he's yeah. i told him and right away he's like i know exactly what it is and he you know he, he <laughs> was he was big into it and everything and um you know that kind of that was the big thing for me i mean it always makes me feel even now like things haven't gone good but there's something keeping me going, you know what I mean? Like something's, I'm still, you know, I'm still alive and I, I really don't feel terrible before I'm at. I'm really, I'm at stage four kidney disease. I have been basically since I got the new kidney. Now, I didn't really know that, you know, and I, I mean, truthfully, I'm still doing, doing, I mean, there's days, you know what I mean? There's days you don't feel quite as good, but I mean, I'm able to do the workouts and this is that to a point, and we'll get into that where I've had some limitations and had to do a few things. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, you, you do the diet. I already was doing the water. Like that's part of it. I mean, that was no, but diet big time dial before pre, like that's really a big deal for everybody. I mean, no question the salts and everything. I never was a big sweet guy. Thankfully I'm not a diabetic and everything, but, uh, yeah, there's just, uh, there's so much to it, you know? Well, I first off want to recognize Powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's really personal and 
I don't think we need to even try to explain it other than you had a really profound and beautiful experience. And I think when that, when that heart of peace, love, and trust has touched me in dark moments of my life, it's just, it's really amazing. Peak experience in life for sure. Now, a lot of people in your position would kind of roll over. Like you've had a lot of adversity, right? But you did something different. You continue to make some changes and you literally started a fitness program with Fit Father Project that is by no means easy. And you had to make some adaptations to the program materials. So maybe let's get into that. Like, when did you join the program? What was your mindset when you joined it? Let's start there. And maybe even a mission statement stuff. And then I want to talk about the nutrition and how you adapted that. But let's start like, when did you join? And 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 what were you thinking at that time in your mind to even start something like this when a lot of people would honestly just straight give up? Well, what was going on is I had had the transplant. It had been about a year and... Uh, I was only eating probably 16 to 1800 calories a day and gaining weight. And uh, it's it's all the meds that you're on, the anti-rejection meds and everything yeah. that you take. I mean, it's a big deal. And a couple of the blood pressure medicines I was on too, which I found yeah. out later, like I was still on a lot of blood pressure meds more than before dialysis, you know, before a transplant. And in the end, I found out because this kidney really wasn't up to par as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And I was on the alpha blockers before, which worked yeah. great on me. I had to switch to calcium blockers after transplants because mm-hmm. they'll attack the kidney, the other ones. So they just don't work as good on me. So anyway, I was gaining the weight and I was like, man, you know, what can I do? I, I was walking on the treadmill, but uh, you know, I was getting to the point, like it was getting back to heading up, you know, towards the dialysis weight. So I just, I called my nutritionist. They got a, a new uh, transplant nutritionist and I asked her, I'm like, geez, what can I do? I mean, I'm, I'm walking, you know, I, I'm not eating as much. And she says, look, she goes, you got to get some aerobic exercise. She says, try them bands, the elastic bands, she says, and uh, add that into your walking. So I got a, I got a set and I went on YouTube and I found one of your podcasts for the foot the Fit Women, uh, Fit Mother mm-hmm. Project, and use the band. So I was like, okay, well, then I looked into your program more, and uh, I sent an email because the transplant patient, and uh, the next day he answered it, and it was like, you know, look, I'm a transplant patient. I don't know if you've worked with them or not. Probably not, but I says, and I'm trying to do something, and, uh, you know, you message back and say, I think I can help, but I want to work with your doctors don't do nothing, you know, that will hurt you. And, and we did, and I'd run things by them. And uh, sure enough, I started in with the program. Then that was in January of, uh, 21 and things were going good. And first, first week I lost like eight pounds. Everything's good. I got until April and COVID I ended up with COVID and, uh, that was, uh, no good that I had a very mild case. Wife was down for a week. But yeah. the after effects is about a month later, all of a sudden the heart palpitations start happening. And uh, that was, it was actually 22, not 21. I'm sorry, January 22. So they're going on and I'd go in. I ended up having an emergency, emergency room. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was just sitting in the chair the one day, wet nuts. Went in, nothing wrong with your heart, this, that, the other thing, and um, went back to it. Happened again. They still couldn't find nothing. So, Everything was blamed on COVID, you know, after COVID, after COVID. And, you know, yeah. finally, that knocked me out for like six, seven months. I, I, as soon as I tried to even on the treadmill, heart would just start racing. So finally, it got to the point. I know a little bit about blood works because racing the horses, they're athletes. We always yeah. had to keep track of everything. And uh, 
I noticed my vitamin D. I'm like, man, it's it's low. It was like 17, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. I, I call the doctor and I'm like, doc, I'm like, geez, what about this vitamin D? I said, you know, I, I read on the, I looked up research that mixed with like calcium, magnesium can cause these yeah. palpitations. Well, we don't want you to go on no vitamin D says because I don't, you know, it could affect other transplant things and stuff. So went another couple of weeks, same thing. Finally, I said, I'll call my nutritionist again. I called her and I was like, geez, I says, um, Danielle, is there anything we can do to eat? Can I to take in more D? She goes, well, let me look at your level. She pulled my blood work up and, oh my God, Jim, she says, you were dangerously low. And she goes, this yeah. could absolutely cause the palpitations. Mm-hmm. So then she called the doctors again, sure enough, went on the vitamin D, straightened me out. So from that point on, this January, I started again, but I was back up to like maybe 240, 245. And uh, sure enough, I started the thing. I've been on it all year and I'm down to 197 right now. You know, I've lost wow. like 50 pounds with that. And I tell you, it, it's something to do it anyway, but man, with all the anti-rejection drugs and stuff, I mean, you know, it really, uh, yeah. it's really wicked, but you know, it's definitely worked for me. Knock the blood pressure down, you know, That's everything. powerful. I, I think also like, I really do appreciate that the part of vitamin D and your story came up and I've been doing a lot more videos and information about this, like vitamin D is so critical for everything, heart health, immune system health, obviously calcium metabolism and all that. So especially going into this winter time, guys listen to this podcast, like get some supplemental vitamin D3. It's, it can be really helpful. Um, yeah. So, and also probably one of the reasons why your vitamin D was so low is, uh, in diseased kidneys, kidneys play a role in the conversion of D to the active D. So if you have kidney disease, you have lower D already. So that's not surprising. Yeah. They said basically now in the summer, I was able to go back off again, being out in the sun, you know, and I still, my level only gets to be about maybe, maybe 30, 28 and Mm -hmm. 30. But, uh, you know, I, I get along there. If you get too Mm -hmm. much D in our case, now it can cause, it can cause some problems. Calcium. Yeah. Yeah, Too much calcium. So you don't want to get a kidney stone and everything. And, you know, I was on the two a day and I did, I got the one, the one report I headed up some of the, um, little bit of calcium in the in the urine and stuff so you know it's a fine line i just went back on vitamin d again this last couple of weeks i was down to 22 yeah so I mean, i'm glad I you're monitoring monitor that. it yeah, yeah. I, I definitely keep an eye on the blood too okay. so you know it helps hey it's dr ray i want to quickly pause this episode to thank you for listening to this fit father podcast i am just blown away at how amazing this podcast has become I had no idea when I started FFP around 10 years ago that it would grow into such an impactful mission. And I want to let you know that I am so grateful to be connected to you in this lifetime. And on behalf of me and my entire team, we are so grateful to be in your life, helping you get and stay healthier for your family. That's what I want to share. Just some gratitude from my heart to yours. Let's get back to today's episode. Okay. So, I mean, it just goes to show like how, well, a couple things. I want people to appreciate you losing, you know, over 50 pounds. Being on those rejection medications, they make you gain fat and weight typically because they're steroid medications that are trying to suppress your immune system. And then the side effect is weight gain, fat gain, water retention. So, you know, it's a whole cocktail you're working against. But just a message of hope that people can still dramatically improve their weight through this process. 
So how'd you change the nutrition? Because one thing that, you know, we advocate higher protein diets for the most part for in the meal plan, but a lot of times with the kidney stuff, you definitely want a lower protein diet or at least moderate, not necessarily low, low, but how'd you, what'd you eat throughout the day? Like what's a day in the life of your nutrition as you're losing the, the 50 plus pounds, like run us through. It, it's crazy. Like you say, with the protein, like us can't go. I mean, the protein's good as far as losing the weight. It's just always a fine line. So in the morning, like I've gotten to where mainly I stick to oatmeal and I'll add like fresh fruits to the oatmeal, never know mm -hmm. sugar and stuff. And a uh, couple hard boiled eggs for the protein there. Nice. And um, that's been basically the go-to for me. And it, it's yeah. worked, it's worked very well. And uh, salad, I have a lot of salads at lunch. Mm -hmm. Like salad's a big thing. Spinach, incorporate i mean tons of vegetables you know and yeah. uh my nightly meal get the like our protein they want us to have nothing bigger than like a deck of cards is how they call yeah. it like that's that's the their 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 little measurement deal but yeah. um and i try to stick to it but it, it's hard when you're not eating enough protein like i'll get anemic my the red counts yeah. and stuff will go down you know and yeah. uh I've, I've got it right now you know knock on wood again because things change a lot with this but um it's it's pretty good. Like right now, all the red, the hem the hemoglobin, hematocrit, yeah. everything's staying really well, and uh, and we're good right now. You know, so nice. So I mean, it sounds like you basically have modified it. I love the I love the fact that you're getting those eggs because that's like one of the highest quality protein sources you can get. And you know, between the eggs and the oatmeal, you're probably getting around 20, 15 to twenty grams of protein in that meal, and that's probably ideal for you. Like, and then at night, you're probably getting kind of similar, maybe that, and then salad probably has another. Yeah, you're, you're like, you're probably at like seven, 60, 50, 60, 70 grams of protein a day. They want us at 660. That's the shoot yeah. for, for us, like 60, maybe you can go a touch higher here and there, but yeah. that's, that's the basic that keeps you, you know, pretty good. You're basically on it. And I mean, that's high quality protein. You can get along with that and you're having the healthy carbs and vegetables and healthy fats with that as well. What kind of carbohydrates do you do at dinner? Do you any rice or sweet potatoes or just more veggies and stuff like that? Yeah, brown rice, sweet potatoes, those are the main two. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh that's that's really it. Like you might sub I might substitute like maybe say cauliflower for my good carb yeah. or something, like something. But uh, those are the usually, yeah, the main two. No butter. I don't touch butter ever. Um, mm -hmm. and if I have it like one meal a week, me and my wife go to breakfast every Saturday morning. I'll mm -hmm. have toast. That's the only time I'll really eat bread. <laughs> yeah. But the butter on it, man, I taste it like the salt that you taste when you don't eat it. It's amazing yeah. how much salt and stuff is in that, you know. It's 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 yeah. wild. And that's also fascinating and just shows how important the kidneys are, right? Because it's someone who has normal kidney function can get away with having the salt without having any problems, but just shows how precious the whole system is when those kidneys aren't working, how you have to be so attuned to even the amount of salt and butter. Like, you know, I yep. don't think twice about that, but for you, it's like a matter of <laughs> kind of life or right. death in a sense. Yeah. Right. I just, I yeah. don't, I don't taste, you know, I don't use it much. So when I have something salty, man, it's just like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you just can't do it. You know, how do you season your food? What do you, do you use anything that works well for you in terms of seasoning? Or are you just kind of liking what you're having? Just powders. Like I make sure like if yeah. it's garlic, it's garlic powder. You know, yeah. I, I make all my own spices, little mixes. Like yeah. I'll make a barbecue spice. You can't buy nothing in the store. I mean, I learned to can even on yeah. dialysis because I love like my sauces and stuff like mm -hmm. spaghetti sauce or anything for get it the salt mm -hmm. stuff i mean i yeah. learned to read labels you know i've been doing that mm -hmm. a long time now so going into the like going into this group even like i was oh that's all easy enough for me i can get that but just mainly 
cutting out the butters, cutting out the saturated fats of any kind. Like that's where I have to, I have to be, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about the exercise aspect of it. You know, what, what's been your approach and, and how, how have you used the fit father workout specifically like cardio, strength training, walking, like what's been your plan and what's worked for you? Walking's huge with me. I mean, it always was with a treadmill. Like, so I got into doing like your Apex 10s and uh, the mm-hmm. Monroes and stuff. So I'll wake up in the morning. I'll do one or the other. Yeah, I'll do one of those first mm-hmm. and then work my treadmill stuff in throughout the day. Like mm-hmm. I found for me, it's it's better if I can go like a couple of times, like especially with the walk and say like walk a mile and a half in the morning. Yeah. Do one of the workout things, walk a mile and a half later on in the afternoon or something, kind of to kill the meals. It's another thing, like the fasting too. That really mm-hmm. works great for me, like if when I do that. But mm-hmm. with the pills, it's a tough thing. Like some of the yeah. pills I take, like uh, man, there are few of them they want you to eat with. But I can get through it, you know. I mean, you got to. It's just something you can't do quite as much as I'd like. But if yeah. I ever had a day where I gain a day, I know if I do the fast, two or three pounds. It's just like that. Mm-hmm. It's automatic. But um, the exercising, yeah, it's it's a lot more walking now. The big thing with me, the fistula from dialysis, I don't know, like it's it's massive. It's just a big aneurysm. Yeah. So basically, yeah. like a lot of the huge weight, like I don't do the the push ups and stuff too much. They they want me to restrict to like 10, 15 pound tops. Yeah. So those are the those are the dumbbells I'll use and stuff, but like mm-hmm. the push I try not to do. So I'll do like more reps. Like yeah. the, the apex tens and stuff, I'll do um, seven or eight different exercises and go up yeah. and down. Like uh, lots of leg lifts, you know, lots yeah. of sit ups, stuff like that. I, I do use the arm. Like I'll do my curls, head skull mm-hmm. crushers, all that to get yeah. get the different spots. Yeah, but I just have to be careful. And I know if I know if I'm overdoing it a little bit or something, I just back down because I certainly mm-hmm. don't want to put myself out. You know, so yeah. I had about a plantar fasciitis back when I was on dialysis before the program. I had to do the foot injections and mm-hmm. they finally got me. They got it low. Like I had two or three, one working. Finally, I told the doctor though, I was like, doc, go ahead, just blast it. I remember from the horses, <laughs> I'm like, look, I could take it. And that day we did. And it felt like I had a softball in there or something. It wasn't, but I was like, and you know what? Never had a problem again after that. I mean, I get my insoles and, you know, keep the shoes good, but, uh, Thankfully, I'm, nice. I'm good with that. I got to be able to walk. <laughs> for sure. And I think um, I just love your mindset of modifying it and making it work for you, adding things to the program. And just, I mean, you're just taking, you're not even, I can just tell that you're not looking through the lens of these are obstacles. You're oh, looking no. through the lens of like, just what will work for me. And like, that's, I think what's so inspirational about this is everybody listening can take that mindset and apply it to whatever challenge or, you know, opportunity we have in life. And it's also when we have these challenges, like you're here to be able to share with us and inspire us. So I'm just telling you, you're doing good right now in this conversation from your unique life experience. So like, that's so beautiful to me. I'm happy to be able to get up and do it, doc. You know what I mean? Like e- even when I was in like dialysis, most of like, you got the guy across from you, no legs, you know, from, from losing him to diabetes. And I mean, I get up my nurse, Connie, she used to laugh. She's like, Jim, you like run to that scale. Cause you got away before you leave. I'm like, Hey, I, I'm good. I, I want to get out. But I mean, I always was just thankful. I mean, I was lucky, man. I was in there. I was only 42 when I went in there and, uh, you know, I was the young guy basically, and he just everything you've seen, you know, so it's to me, mindset. I couldn't drink water for eight years, you know what I mean? Now it's like 
<laughs> I can drink, you know, I can get up and walk. Like, I'm good. Like, there ain't nothing going to bother me like that. Like, it's just, I'm glad to be able to do whatever I can do. I'm really feeling into that right now in terms of just like how our ability to experience gratitude is in relation to our reference frames. Like you just, even the most basic thing, like I imagine not being able to drink water. I don't even tell you to imagine because like that was your living experience. Like we take that for granted, but that was really, man. I mean, and what you've seen too, to be able to cultivate that gratitude, I think we can all take that from this conversation. So tell me about the the future. And I want to talk about, I guess, more of like the kidney community. And I know there's a nonprofit you're working with, kidneysforcommunities.org that is helping you find a donor. So let's talk about what's what's next for you, what's on the pipeline the rest of this year and into next year. Yeah, they've they've worked with me now really well. And uh, what they do is they work with communities is what they call it. And I was like, what do you mean? More or less organizations that you're involved with. And right away, I thought about the horse racing and you guys, you know, with the, mm-hmm. with the fitness. Like those are the two. And they were like, man, those are two we're not in yet, you know, so... We went with it. I, I also got a newscast coming up with my local news out of Buffalo. We're going to be doing that from the racetrack at the barns with the horses and <laughs> cool. this and that. So I, right there, they're like, man, you're a go-getter. They're like, we didn't expect, like I talked to the head guy's name is a tool and uh, he was leaving the country for a little bit. Within the next day, I'm like, all right, I got a couple lined up. Like we could get rolling. I usually, like, what are you talking you know? about? So sure enough, the ball's been rolling and uh, luckily everything's on board, but they help, like they help any donor, potential donor that, uh, they do the testing at home. They'll send them tests. If it comes to them being a donor, they pay for some of the expenses and everything as far as all the testing don't cost the donor a dollar. Like if they have to fly somewhere, if they have missed work, they've got workman's compensation programs, they've got insurance policies they take out for them. And, uh, the big thing with them too, they do the match. Like they, they don't have to be a perfect match to meet. They do the pairing programs and everything. So people come forward, you know, it gives me a chance that left me a lot more hope. Like on my own, I had no, you know, no idea how to really go about that. There was a woman I had met before I got the first deceased transplant and uh, her name was Pam and she was from a matching donors dot com i think they're called or whatnot and there was the same type of deal and she was telling me jim wait for a live kidney wait for one because sometimes the deceased ones don't work and i was like pam i've been on the list for eight years you know i mean if they give me the call i gotta go sure enough it was two months after i met her i got the call and went and got this one and and i don't want to knock this kidney look at it might not have been it not not worth i'm here you know what i mean mm-hmm. regardless my aunt said it to me the best she said it's gotten you this far. She says, you might not have made it on dialysis. You know, the average lifespan, it's gotten you away from that. So, I mean, everything's for a reason, Doc. You know, that's what I yeah. really look at it like. And you know, I'm still here. And I, hopefully, I can, my story can help other people and everything. I mean, yeah. after, if I get, I'd like to get into something like that. You know, horses are out of the question. The the infection risk, you know. Yeah all the stuff like this on my arm, hopefully that can get taken away though. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. If the transplant was successful, they can take that out, that fistula. Yeah. You know, right now it's a target. I mean, anywhere you're yeah. at. But if I can get the successful transplant, you know, it would be, you know, that I plan on going further with this too. Like I've, I've kind of at a point with Fit Father where I'm just doing what I can do, tweaking it because I have to because I can't go on farther as far as with the with that as an obstacle. But mm-hmm. 
you know, down the line, hey, I might complete this whole thing after all. You know, that's how <laughs> I'm looking at it. You know what I mean? It's, that's where we're at. I, I don't doubt that for one second. I mean, your your mindset is infectious. And if someone donates a kidney, just so people know, we have two kidneys. So if you were to donate one and that's somewhere on your heart, kidney donors who are good matches, like they can com- be completely fine with one kidney. I mean, I'm saying like, that's a kind of a medical fact, but can you speak into that as well? Do you know anything on that side of things for live donors? Yeah, potential ab- interested absolutely. People? Yeah. They, they go on well, as far as the healing process for them, I mean, it's, it's pretty fast. It's like a, uh, like a week, I think, or something like that. They're, they're back up and rolling us. It's a little tougher with us and everything you get. But, um, you know, as far as that, that, organization kidneys for uh, communities.org that's the thing with them too they're they're great as far as doing all the testing where they can test multiple people at a time and uh you say if anything does go wrong with them they guarantee them a kidney like they'll get one on the list like quickly if something was to go wrong with the other one down the line and everything and uh you know which usually don't but there was one fellow on our program here he put a comment on one of my posts on the facebook group and he mm-hmm. said he had given one and he put a big thing on there about telling everybody you can do it. I'm, he was 25 years in after his where he donated dated one bet in the past and everything. So <laughs> That's really heroic. I mean, to do that is, oh, is really beautiful. Absolutely. So. Look, I, you know, I can't even imagine I need one and, you, you know, to, to, you don't expect that. And there's mm-hmm. people out there. That's what this group told me. They're like, look at everybody in that group. They've either given one or they've received one. Like, they all know. So it's another thing. If a donor comes forward, they'll be talking to somebody who actually has given one that mm-hmm. gets them through the process and everything. And uh, it's really amazing what them guys do. It's, it's something that the head of that, he was a hard to match uh, kidney and he got mm-hmm. one and he was, fortunately, he was at a Fortune 500 company. So he was well off. And he said after he got his and lived, he just wants to do all he can do to help people get kidneys faster. And him and that org, like I told him, man, you guys are unbelievable, to, you know, to do what you're doing. And uh, there's a group of about four or five of them, all well off and all that's their mindset. They're going to get kidneys for people and uh, they do. So, you know. Well, I'll say, I'll say this and kind of like in closing, bigger picture. Like, I think if we look around or if if you read news headlines or get into any of that stuff, you can see a lot of humans and groups of humans with negative stuff, negativity and all the stuff. And and what I'm seeing is the exact opposite of that. I'm seeing groups of humans together around positivity, around shared challenges, coming together to conquer, to grow, to love one another. And like, this is like really the light in the good side of this whole life experience of what people can create when they come together and get passionate about our unique life experiences. Like obviously me and my dad passing and me getting passionate about dad's fitness, you and kidneys for communities, you know, going through this whole kidney journey. It's, uh, it's beautiful to witness all the things that we can come together on and help one another out on. So I'm grateful that you were here and we could share this conversation. Last thing I'll say, Jim, and I really just a question is like, share a little bit in closing about like how this Fit Father programming community has like impacted your life. I know you've shared some of the details, but if you can kind of put a nice bow on this message, I'd love to hear it and maybe even a message out to the brothers who have been here with you on your journey and will continue to be with you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, first, gotta, I got to thank all of them too. I mean, Kat and Ben and Trina getting this together and, you know, you, everybody's been great. Gerald, he's the guy that reached out to me there yeah. and told me, Hey, he goes, how about the brotherhood? He goes, have you asked them guys to help you with this? And you know, he's, he kind of got the ball rolling, uh, Gerald <laughs> stone there. And, uh, yeah. 
you know, amazing everybody, guy. everybody's unbelievable. Look, the, the group, you know, I mean, you go on there, like I don't post on there quite as much because I have to do things a little different, you know, and I don't like your, your deal with everybody and your program. Like I, I go against it. Kind of, I'm not against it, but I have to tweak it. So I don't want to mm-hmm. go on there and be like, well, look, I did it this way. You know, I mean, <laughs> everybody's great low, you know, and I'm sure that I inspire, you know, like guys like Barry Tanner, low. look, he lost, lost, right. lost. He's still going, man. You know what I mean? Like there's right. everybody's got a problem. Everybody's going to face them someday. You know what I mean? You just, I mean, Terry, I think of him, his wife's going through the cancer and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think more about them. Another buddy of mine, John, his wife, just out of the blue cancer. Look at, we all got to face things and, uh, they fight on, you know what I mean? We mm-hmm. all can. That's, that's the way I look at that. And, well, I think the blessing of this conversation, Jim, is that for whatever challenges each of us does inevitably face in our lives, that we face it with the courage, the hope, and the gratitude that you determine and that you embody so well. So on that note, thank you for this conversation today. It definitely moved me, and I'm grateful to be able to give this out to the brotherhood and to hear the reception of this. I always look at it like it's like a fight, you know what I mean? Each each year is another round. I'm in round 12, Doc, you know, ring the bell. <laughs> I'm not down yet, man. I, I might have been down. That's I'm, for, still, I'm still up. It's, it's it. <laughs> I love it, Jim. Thanks for the inspiration today. It means a lot. Thanks for having me on, Doc. Thanks for your help. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project Podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash Fit Father Project to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.